Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Ashley Pickle. I'm the video director for Dave Campbell's Texas Football a Magazine and TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or TexasFootball.com, or you're listening to us on the podcast version, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice, thank you for supporting your local media internet show i am sitting here sitting over there at the helm it is Malpal, whose mother said you will take my old couch so there you go <laughs> hey we got a good couch i hope she's well we got two good couches so i'll uh i like that i like that <laughs> i like that she commented that Thanks, couch Mom. swap day here at dctf <laughs> how are you Mal Pal? <laughs> if you don't if you don't understand what we're talking about go watch the pre-show yeah, I like to give little pre-show teases there, hoping that people <laughs> will go back now. and be like, what in the world are these two goofballs talking about? <laughs> Today is Tuesday, January 11th, 317 days until Thanksgiving, January 11th, the birthday of Mary J. Blige. Happy birthday to a true queen. Today is episode 1310. On today's show, my friends, it's an- it's another Hashtag Math Tuesday. We're going inside the numbers. This time, we reference our favorite non-feeling robot. That is the DCTF computer. Mm -hmm. The DCTF computer hands out end-of-year ratings. So they are different than our rankings. These are ratings, a numeric value. Um, So we're going to take a look at the top three ratings in each classification according to our DCTF non-feeling robot that we all love, the DCTF computer. And then in the back half of the show, it is time for another college football post-mortem. This time... We're cawing today. We're taking a look at the North Texas Mean Green and running through their 2021 season. Before we get to all of that, Malpal, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Tony Blaylock, Graham Shank, Aaron Arbuckle, and Rob Hadaway. Welcome in, fellas. Thanks. Also, (laughs) happy birthday to uh, Aaron Flynn's daughter. Oh, yeah. Happy happy birthday. birthday to... Little Flynn. <laughs> um, all right, Malpal, let's do some math. We're going inside the numbers. Last week, if you remember, we took a look at the highest scoring offenses in any classification. We didn't specify how many games were played either. It was just the highest total points. 
This time we're doing something a little bit different. So we're going to take a look at the end of the year, DCTF, our DCTF computer puts together ratings. Now these are different than our rankings. These ratings are a numeric value with a formula that our good friend Jerry Forrest has come up with. And this is the most inclusive ratings formula that he has. Basically what it takes a look at, and it takes a handful of things into account here. One, your points for versus your points against. So that's basically a percentage wise. Obviously, that's how you can tell who has the best defense is taking a look at those points that you scored versus the points that you allowed. It also takes into account how many games you play, how far you make it. Obviously, state champions are going to play in more games than someone who didn't make the playoffs. So it does take that into account. But it also takes into account your strength of schedule because you would think about it and go, okay, well, if the state champions probably scored the most amount of points, they probably had a pretty good defense, they definitely played the most games, well, it's just going to be the state champions, isn't it? No, that's where it comes in to change. And I'm going to be honest, a lot of the state champions are in this list, but where it differentiates is the strength of schedule along the way because not everyone who plays in a state championship game, whether you win or lose, really played the toughest schedule. So it kind of takes all of that together. Jerry does the really hard math. I did the easier math, and we're taking a look at the rankings for the top three the ratings for the top three teams in each classification. Let's go ahead and get started, Malpal. We will start with the big dogs. Let's go with 6A. So again, Texas football, Texas high school football inside the numbers, the top three DCTF computer-rated teams in each classification. And 6A, well, it was the 6A Division II state champs in Austin-Westlake with a rating of 213.38. To put it into perspective, if you want to go points for versus points against, Westlake scored 908 points, but they only gave up 142 points. Mm -hmm. So while their strength of schedule may not be as difficult as some of these other teams listed, their points for versus points against were so dramatic there that it gives them the extra boost. So that kind of gives you a look as to how this is going. Then you go down, and it's the state champions from the 6A Division One ranked mm -hmm. in the North Shore Mustangs with a rating of 206.11. Following that in third place is the runner-up for 6A Division One in Duncanville, 205.63. And so you think back to who Westlake played. It was Denton Geyer. They were pretty close up there in the rankings. But ultimately, based on the other teams and all of those things that we said go into these ratings, they felt like Duncanville had a little bit you know, more on their points for points against. They had a little bit more on their strength of schedule. And so that's kind of just a look at how these work. So there is your 6A DCTF computer rated teams, the top three of them. And looking at that Austin Westlake resume too, looking at how big they won mm -hmm. per game and how, how little they held their opponents to, how little points and yards that they had, it makes sense that they're, they're up there. And I think the closest game they had played all year was that Denton Geyer game. Oh, absolutely. Because even in, if you want to look at strength of schedule for the regular season, you would think, okay, Lake Travis, they're a really good uh -huh. team. They blew Lake Travis right. out of the water. So when you look at a team like Lake Travis, who is definitely in the upper echelon of this list, um, obviously not in the top three, but still up there, then you compare it to that and it's like, oh man, Westlake's going to get that big bump on it. Yeah, yeah. 
So there is 6A moving down to 5A Division One. Here we go. It is Katie Pato, the 5A Division One state champs. And these is obviously a lot closer than what we saw in 6A. 192.59 following them was the state runner-up in College Station with a computer rating of 190.89. And then in third place, it was the Denton Ryan Raiders, 179.63. And if you think back to what Denton Ryan has to play when you have Frisco Lone Star, mm -hmm. when you have all of that in that kind of region two conglomerate, it wasn't surprising that they would take up that third spot after the first two teams that played in the state championship. Yeah. Moving on now to 5A Division 2 out of our top three DCTF computer-rated teams. We're going to start off with the champion, the South Oak Cliff Golden Bears. 188.43 coming in at their DCTF computer-rated team. And then after that, Here's where I said that there's a little bit of a switch up based on your level of competition. Mm -hmm. Alito obviously got knocked out by South Oak Cliff, 187.8. So they're not far off from each other. Yeah. Well, that's because Alito was scored 712 points on the year and only gave up 173 points. And that's without playing, what, two, three extra yeah. games? So that's why their rating is higher. They had a much tougher test to get there then maybe a Liberty Hill out of region four would have had and their rating obviously deducts from that being at 179.10 so there's a little bit of that switch up I was talking about between it it's not just state teams that played in the yeah, state championship right. strength of schedule does play a huge factor in this moving on 5a division 4a division one yeah. rather and this was super interesting because I want to go back for a second when we talked about um, last week in our um, in our highest Top scoring, scoring offenses. offenses, you had number one, Austin LBJ, number two, El Campo, and number three, Stephenville. Well, when you take a look at everything and especially that strength of schedule that Stephenville had to go to in that region two of beating Argyle, beating Melissa, beating Paris, they obviously had a very difficult strength of schedule so that put them in number one with a rating of 178.18 after that well it's their bunkmates yep. in Melissa 174.53 and like we said they weren't even a top scoring offense in this classification one of them not up in the top three um and so they fall into the second ranked team there. And then it was the state runner up Austin LBJ with 172.86 points for their DCTF computer rated scale. We are talking Texas foot, Texas high school football inside the numbers here. As we take a look at four, a division two at our top three DCTF computer rated teams, it's the state champions in China spring. They have 179.20. Then we go down to the runner up in Gilmer, 174.84. And then it's Salina, 174.76. And you can see just how close Salina yeah. and Gilmer are right there in a big stretch of that Salina, obviously playing less games, but, uh, 602 points for only gave up 160 points. So that was an incredibly high flying offense that had a really, really impressive defense and quite a tough schedule there. So it wasn't super surprising to see Salina up there, but I thought that was very interesting. One of our closest uh, ratings in between two teams in Gilmer and Salina there. It reminds me a lot of uh, 4A Division One, just mm -hmm. what these teams had to go through in order to make it 
you know, up to this chart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there was none of these teams had light schedule. No, no. Moving on now, 3A Division One, we go. And how about that? It is the state champions in the Lorena Leopards. We talked to Coach Ray Biles yesterday. If you missed that, it's on our YouTube page. 173.01 coming in at their ratings here. Brock follows it up with 168.65. And then Mount Vernon. This is much, much like the Salina team where it was a high-flying team Mm -hmm. that made it pretty deep into the playoffs. They had a pretty stinking difficult schedule to get there, 161.08 points under first-year head coach. So impressive there by the Mount Vernon Tigers. Moving on to 3A Division II we go. This one, well, again, Franklin, Gunner, and Wascom. So this is actually one of the few of the top three DCTF computer-rated teams as the top three highest-scoring mm-hmm. teams. Franklin came in with a rating of 176.9, Gunner 167.28, Wascom 166.79. And again, Franklin was just the dominant team in Texas high school football in 3A Division Two. They were our wall-to-wall number one, and you can tell from that rating system. I mean, that's almost 10 points yeah. higher than second place. And you see shocking. how close Gunner and Wascom are. So that really shows the substantial amount that Franklin is that much higher than the other two teams. Yeah. And the state championship proved that. Yeah, you know, a ring never hurts, yeah. I guess they say. So congratulations to Franklin on that. Moving on to 2A Division One, And this is a little bit of a switch from mm-hmm. last week when we talked about the highest scoring offense. Last week, it was Refuria was the highest scoring offense with 822 points. Shiner uh, came with 764. And we talked about how surprising that was considering that Shiner played one more games and two, I mean, beat the tar out of Refuria when they played them. Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of where that ends up equaling out because you look at their strength of schedule after that Shiner went on to play Timpson, which means that when you play number three, you're going to get boosted with strength of schedule to get to that, uh, that highest. And I believe Holly was fourth in this, which would mean obviously the state runner up. So Shiner really kind of, secured the win here in their last two games of the season, which yeah. were the state semifinal against Timpson and then Hawley, obviously, in the state championship to keep those rankings, uh, or those ratings where they're at by our DCTF, DCTF computer. All right, moving down to the smallest 11-man classification in 2A Division Two. This one, Stratford, 152.98. Then those Mart Panthers, 149.18. Congratulations to Coach Hoffman on yeah. his retirement, by the way. We will talk about that more in headlines next week. And then finally, it was Fall City in 148.86. And this was another one where Mart, they were our top, highest scoring offense 779 points in 2A division 2 so that really really kind of played a factor in this and i mean they played fall city which is which is tough and then um yeah but stratford 152.98 the elks leading in 2A division 2 in our dctf computer rated teams now to six man football we go in 1A division 1 it was westbrook with 108.93 and just point Oh, three points Jeez. behind them was the state champions, not the state champions, rather the state runner right. up in the May Tigers, a hundred and eight point nine. I mean, that is so stinking close. And May was our top point team 
right. in 1A Division One with over a thousand points. And Westbrook de- didn't even touch that. But with their incredible defense that obviously we saw in the state championship mm-hmm. game, it gave them that point three points. And you win the state title, you probably get bumped up by point three points. So this one was, I mean, just neck and neck in the race. And then finally coming down, Water Valley, 107.41. And if you take a look at their schedule, it's uh, it's it's no shock that they're into that third. Now moving on to our final smallest classification here. It is 1A in Division One, Division Two in the six-man ranks. The Strawn <laughs> Greyhounds. Nope, not surprising at all on this one. 110.28, and I mean they were they were the largest scoring offense. 100, 1,083 um, compared to only giving up 383 points. I mean, talk about domination in every single phase of the game, and they proved that in the state championship game. Motley County falling just behind them. 102.13 and then finally coach Vance Jones and his Balmeray Bears creep into the third place spot in 1A Division 2 with a DCTF computer rating of 88.78. So there you go. It is Texas Fo- High School Football inside the numbers top 3 DCTF computer rated teams and like we said I thought this was interesting because rather than just looking at the highest total offense or the best defense this really is our most comprehensive form of ratings when you take a look at points for versus points against how far you made it how many games you played your strength of schedule everything like that really kind of gives you a good rating into which teams were the best all around right and if there's any ever argument now you can look at this and be like Okay. Yeah, yeah you can exactly. see because I know we had a lot of controversy with you know Franklin and Gunner them going back to back all year between that first and second place mm-hmm. spot, but this right here kind of is the nail in the coffin saying yeah Franklin is the best. Right, the and and that's and it's perfect because I feel like the the Shiner Referia one was the one that stuck out perfectly to me because you look at it and you go okay to be honest neither of those teams are ever super tested until they play each other right right and then Shiner went and closed it out so that's exactly why you know even though Refurio had a ton more points on the year even with two less games well Shiner was battle tested and they made it through the rest of those games right. Um, so there you go. Inside the numbers, taking a look at our top three computer-rated teams in each classification. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon talking football in the Lone Star State. We hope you will consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at TexasFootball.com. A year's worth of online content, um, premium podcast like Tep and Step. Uh, this magazine, it's pretty, right? Uh, like our recruiting magazine, if you sign up now, we'll go ahead and get that in the mail for you. And if you go ahead and sign up, then you'll be guaranteed to get that big old summer magazine we do in your mailbox when subscribers get them. So again, that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Help feed Mallory Harley. Please. <laughs> I need food. I'm hungry. <laughs> I, yeah, it is. It is about hungry o'clock. <laughs> All right, Malfal, we have one more thing left to do today. We are continuing our series of college football postmortems as we take a look and kind of go through and recap the seasons of the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. How about we call? We do a little bit of North Texas Mean Green postmortem, taking a look at their 6-7 and seven finish, their third in Conference USA West, and... 
you know, I guess we'll save our opinions for it as we move on in this segment. But Malpal, what are we taking a look at first? We should mention that we are doing this completely neutral. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, we did graduate from North Texas, but we are going to be looking at this in a completely neutral standpoint. So let's go ahead and move on to our first category. We went through and looked at how the offense did all season, and we gave them a grade. And for the North Texas Mean Green, we gave their offensive grade a B. Now I want to first start off and say that I would not give them a B if we had ended the se- if if North Texas had ended the season with that Marshall game because we were one and six. I would have probably given them a D at that standpoint. Uh, towards the end of the season, if you remember, we went on North Texas. Excuse me, I keep yeah. saying we. <laughs> no, we. <laughs> North Texas went on a five and one with the bowl loss run. Um, so putting them those two together. I wanted to give them a higher grade than what they deserved at the beginning of the season, so I gave them a, a B. Now, there are a lot of different factors on why the first start of the season was so rocky compared to the second part of the season. And really, I think to start off with, I think the game plan at the beginning of the season was not a good fit for this North Texas team. Now, mm-hmm. Seth Luttrell is coming from a couple of seasons where he had Mason Fine yep. at quarterback that could pretty much complete any pass that mm-hmm. you, you throw at him. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, he could complete that. He could also run as well. And so when you have a quarterback like that, your game plan is to, yeah, you can rely on passing the ball most of the time. You don't really need a premier running back uh, in order to be successful. And so I think that's what was the game plan going into this season uh, was to start Austin Ani, maybe kind of switch it between Austin Ani and Jace Reuter to kind of decide who you want your starting starting quarterback to be um, and to basically rely on throwing the ball yeah, pretty much and then having the run game kind of in the background, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't work out quite well. I think that – as you can, if you look back to the beginning of this season and you look, take a look at their schedule, the games that they had lost, for the most part, they had more passing yards than they did rushing yards. Yeah. And so I think that, and then when you obviously go down the schedule and look at that 5-0 and run that they had at the end of the year, minus the bowl game, they ran the ball a lot mm-hmm. more and they were really successful when they found their identity in their run game with Deon- guys like DeAndre Torrey and Ragsdale, when you gave them the ball a lot more, they were just much more effective on the run game. Or even if, if you just try and balance the offense a little bit. Because right. if, you make, if you make the run game your premier way of moving the ball, you can throw Austin Omni in there a couple of times to make a couple of, a, a sh- of short passes when mm-hmm. you need to. But for a team like North Texas, when really also – not to mention the quarterback spot was so rocky. I mean, there was no consistency yeah. in that quarterback spot, especially towards the end of the year. You couldn't, you never knew who was going to be the starting quarterback between Jace Reuter and Austin Ani. But when they officially went with Austin Ani, that's when you saw, started to see more consistency with this North Texas offense. Right. And just, just a flashback for just a second here, North Texas starts off Northwestern State. 
beat them, you're good. Right. You drop six. They're down to one and six, and then they go out and they win their last five games. So <laughs> you're right. I have never been a fan when it comes to college football of doing this, eh, we'll kind of decide on the quarterback as we go along. It never works out. Never like that. And that's a personal preference. There are some people it works out for, some people it doesn't. I have never been a fan of that at the college level. At the high school level, I think that's totally, totally different. We're talking college football here. I think that you should be able to tell who your starting quarterback should be by the time the season kicks off. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get out first game jitters and let them have a half each and see what they do after that. But continuing to not be able to solidify a quarterback, especially in a program that had Mason Fine for so long and so great, all of Seth Luttrell's identity has been based off of what Mason Fine did. He's right. been here for six years now. And without a consistent quarterback every single year since Mason Fine has left, it's been, what are we doing out there? It looks right. consistently confused. And the biggest issue that North Texas has had for so many years, even when Mason Fine was there, was the fact that their offensive line has been garbage. Year in and year out. Now, on the offensive side, they've always had one playmaker. You have a Rico Bussey. You have a Jalen Darden. Mm -hmm. This year, it was DeAndre Torrey. They had a guy that could do it. And you're right. Once they started to figure out, once they started to let Ani get comfortable in that offense, they started producing. You right. could see that. And a big, big, big thing that I think impacted the North Texas offense so much was what they did in the first quarter. If you go back and you look – at those games, those six games that they lost, it was consistently falling down 21 points in the first quarter. Consistently. Right. 14, 21. And then you know what? They would kind of start to creep back up, and you're going, okay, but it was too little, too late. They dug themselves a hole that they could not get out of. So it's frustrating. Here's the other frustrating part for me with Austin Ani. I'm not saying that he is trash I'm not saying he's super super great by any stretch of the means he has almost 2,000 passing yards okay you've got a star running back 2,000 not going to complain too much about that when you have nine passing touchdowns and nine interceptions there's an issue hashtag math Tuesday 50% on either a touchdown or either an interception. If I can flip a coin and choose which one that Austin Ani is going to throw, that's worrisome. That's yeah. troublesome. Yeah, you that's can't a good way to do put it. anything off of that. You can't get offensive consistency out of your receivers at that point. You can't get anything going. And I feel like we looked at it earlier. They were 87 for 210 on third down. That's 41 and just over 41% on third down efficiency. That's where that comes down to. They're under 50% on third down efficiency, but it's because when they get in the red zone, there was no productivity after that. They yeah. couldn't get to the red zone because it was either a pick or you, I, you looked up, I don't even remember what you, you looked up something with the, uh, the red zone efficiency and it was, Oh yeah. It was, we terrible. were, I think North Texas, I keep saying we, I'm, <laughs> I think North Texas was, went 29, maybe 26 for 49 in the red zone. Yeah, and it's just like we you look at the national you look at the national stats of, of where North Texas ranks in passing and rushing in this offense and it's like they're just kind of average. Mm -hmm. Now, a just kind of average offense is okay if you have a defense that can back it up and we'll get there in a second, but mm -hmm. that doesn't work for North Texas. Right. So the the offensive line did 
a little better this year. I would say that it's been, it was more consistent this year than it has been in years past. At that point, then we need some quarterback productivity, and we got a little bit of that. Right. But the inconsistency, the nine touchdowns and nine interceptions, that's what stuck out to me the most of there's an issue there that has to be fixed. Right. With that being said, we're going to move on to defense. The defensive grade we have given North Texas is a C. And when I'm going through and ranking these defenses slash offenses with these letter grades, I think of a grade as a C as just kind of average, not really anything special, Mm -hmm. not too terrible. And if you actually look up the different rankings on, I think NCAA puts them out, they're around 60 to 70th in the nation for uh, total defense. And it's it's not super surprising. They gave up almost 400 yards per game, allowing about 20 to 22 points per game. And I don't think the the rush defense was bad. I think the defensive line was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think the, the rush defense, the run defense was good. Mm-hmm. It's the secondary. Yeah. The it's- secondary is just... It was just bad. And that goes back that goes back to past years of something and the most disappointing part of this defense for me was the fact that we were hoping that Phil Bennett coming in was finally going to be that key piece that North Texas had been right. missing so long. Because you go back to the Mason Fine years, we're gonna bring it up again. It's you know, peeling off the same band aid over and over and over and over again. We had a really good offense at that point. Defense, never been good, never been consistent. That's always been Seth Luttrell's downfall is not being able to get a defensive production on any stretch. And you're right. I thought the defensive line was not terrible this Mm -hmm. year. I thought the defensive line was pretty good. You go back to that UTSA game, the defensive line, I mean, was humming on all cylinders. They were constantly in the backfield. They held Cynthia McCormick. That showed what that defensive line could do. Mm Mm-hmm. You're exactly right when you say the defensive backs have continued to be the key issue, and that is something that a veteran like Phil Bennett I really thought would have figured out by now. Mm -hmm. And obviously, he did start to get it figured out in the latter half of the season. But like the game that stuck out to me on the defense was the Marshall game. You have your running back go for 179 yards and two touchdowns, and you lose 49-21? to Yeah. How is that possible? How is that possible? You know, and it was one of those things. It was like you let Wells throw for 323 yards on you. Now, don't get me wrong. Marshall's quarterback, Wells, was a really good player. He Mm -hmm. was a great quarterback. He did that to a handful of teams this season. But if you have your star running back pop off in the middle of the season like that and go for almost 200 yards, and Ani had a fairly good game that game too, it was just one of those things. Defense is you saw the flashes of what they could be at times, but you also saw them out there looking confused, not understanding what they were doing. And that's been the key to North Texas for so long is I think that there was some improvement made there because we could in the latter half of the season, see those improvements being made, especially at the defensive line position and the linebackers, those front seven were not bad. They just have got to figure out how to get any sort of production from those defensive backs. And if they can't do it, then they're never going to contend again because you don't have, like I said earlier, an okay offense, a B-graded offense can work if your defense can also work. Right. 
if you can't get stuff out of your defense, then there's no way that mediocre, like mediocre quarterback play and having one star running back or one star receiver is going to get you into that upper echelon of Conference USA, especially mm-hmm. the way things are trending. Right. And you mentioned it kind of with the offense. Now, there were, especially towards the beginning of the season, the I think the defense really hurt the offense mm-hmm. because when you look at the first couple of games of the season when they went one and six, most of those games – the score was 21 nothing. Yeah. Not North Texas at halftime. Yeah. And that's you cannot you can't bounce, dig yourself a hole. No, and the defense kind of did that for him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put him in a really bad position to come out of that half and not really do much. Now, they turned that around a little bit the second half of this season. The defense was able to help the hold their opponents to Seven mm-hmm. points, 14 points. Average offenses are fine as long as right. the defense gives right. them something to work with in the beginning part of the game. If you get a yep. doubt in a hole, they just that's what they did all year. They got down in a hole and they couldn't dig themselves out of it. Right. With that being said, we are going to move on to our team MVP. No surprise here. Running back DeAndre Torrey. We mentioned another guy that we thought that might deserve the MVP, but we'll mention him later. I think <laughs> uh, DeAndre Torrey deserved it even more. Uh, really, I think, was the backbone of this offense mm-hmm. and, and really this, I can say team, because he was a senior. And, I mean, I, I, I went to most North Texas games and could see the leadership that he brought to this team being a captain and being, being a senior. He had 248 carries on the year, 1,215 15 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, uh, averaging almost five yards a carry. Um, and when you look at a guy and you call him the MVP or when, you, when you're looking at a team and you want to name an MVP, I really think that their impact on the team has to be noticeable. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can definitely say that about DeAndre Torrey. When you give him the ball 25-plus times a game, he was making a significant impact. Now, that, that result might not have always ended up in a win, mm-hmm. but at least they were scoring points more when well, they gave yeah. him or, or Ragsdale the ball. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing. This goes back to what we were talking about on not being efficient on third down, uh, not being efficient in the end zone specifically, or in the red zone, rather. If you're not efficient in the red zone, that means you're not getting to it a whole lot. And right. that was the big thing. Not only were they not efficient in it, they weren't getting there a whole lot. And the one bright spot, it most of their points ended up coming off of splash plays. They came off of big plays. And when you have your guy, it was DeAndre Torrey. Mm-hmm. He was the one that was making those splash plays that they needed because they weren't getting the ball down and in long, extensive, you know, time-killing drives. It was more, let's hit it, let's go, let's get it to Torrey and see what he can do. He was also the one bright spot when he did get into the red zone of someone that you could trust to give the ball to. And like you said, he was a senior leader. We knew that this was coming for a long time, a team captain. Um, and North Texas has always had had at least one of those guys that really, really steps it up. Jalen mm-hmm. Darden was right before him and, you know, Mason Fine or Rico Bussey or whoever you want to say, Jalen Dar- or DeAndre Torrey was that guy for North Texas this year. I mean, he was he was 26 in the nation in rushing, so he mm-hmm. was nationally up there, which is impressive. Um, but, yeah, a, a big bright spot to him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes and, and tries out for an NFL combine or just to yeah. see what he can get there. Yeah. So um, DeAndre Torrey was the was the easy choice here. You did mention, um, yes. according to the, the ESPN stats, Ethan Mooney went 40 for 40 on extra point attempts. So good on yeah. you, fella. 
Mans kicked the winning field goal against UTEP. Yep. So that was, yeah, I remember that game. Uh, to close this all out, we will quickly take a look at 2022 um, expectations. There's one that I want to point out because I have, I've actually personally been asked this question quite a bit. Um, is Seth Luttrell safe? Is he, yeah. is he here to stay for another year, a couple years? Is he going to get fired sometime in the off season? Um, I think overall you can look at 2022 and you can, if you're a North Texas fan, you can feel good about Seth Luttrell staying for at least mm-hmm. one more year. Um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was funny because you go, you flash back to some of our shows that we had in the first half of the season, and it was. It was like, clear how oh, he's gone. He's, he's gone. we're one and six. We're dropping the teams that we shouldn't drop to. The law, specifically after the Law Tech game, they're a program that is down yeah. right now. How do you go out and drop that? Sets. Road record has always been a big concern for me. I consistently never feel good about North Texas on the road. Hands down, do not. Um, I think Coach Luttrell saved his job. I think that a bowl win, especially a a home bowl win, they played in Frisco against Miami of Ohio. They had a great first half and then absolutely pooped the bed the second half. I think that would have given him even more of a reason to take a breath. I think... Seth Luttrell, because I know him personally, is a great man, and I think that I would always like to root for his success, Mm -hmm. and I don't feel bad saying that. That's not a UNT thing. That's a me knowing Coach Luttrell pretty well thing. Um, But the fact of the matter is, yes, he did save his job for one year. If they go out and have another season like they did this year, I do not think that he will return after that. I think it's kind of one of those you're beating a dead horse at that point looking for mediocrity and yeah. you're never going to take that next step. I think that Ren Baker got a contract extension as the athletic director, so I think he's willing to give his guy one more shot, but I don't think after that he'll get that. I will say this. The first four games of the season in their non-conference schedule will be SMU, which is typical. They mm-hmm. play them. That's turned into a pretty heated rivalry, which will only extend you know, as, as time goes on. You play Texas Southern, UNLV, and Memphis. UNLV and Memphis both aren't programs that are doing too hot right now. UNLV is consistently pretty bad. Yeah. Memphis had a really, really dive down in the latter half of this past season. And Texas Southern is interesting because Texas Southern has been the team that can't win games forever. Now they have Andrew Boddy, the Corpus Christi Miller quarterback, if you'll remember. And they started winning some games this year. And the only reason I bring this up is because the last UNT coach that got fired during the middle of the season was Dan McCarney before Seth Luttrell. Mm-hmm. Well, he lost to Portland State on homecoming, an FCS opponent, 66-7, to and was fired there on the field. Mm-hmm. So I think if Coach Luttrell and his 2022 Mean Green squad can go out there and you might drop one to SMU. SMU's been pretty stinking good. They've got the new coach. We don't know exactly what they'll look like. But I think that if you can go out there and win two to three of those games, you realistically should win three of them, the back three, maybe not SMU. And then you go into conference and you do your thing and you you get you beat who you're supposed to beat. He has a chance to save his job here. He really does. Yeah. That's a pretty light schedule. There's a lot of Conference USA teams, specifically in the West, that are really, really down. You go out, you have another good game against uh, UAB, against a UTSA. Then, yes, he can still buy his time. 
if you go out and drop a game that you shouldn't early on in the season, mm-hmm. I think North Texas fans will be calling for his head. I think that the administration's not going to want to deal with another season of that. They need to bring the hope back to people. So those first, I usually don't put a lot of stock in the first non-conference games. I think those first non-conference games have a lot yeah. Of impact for Coach Luttrell on his future with the program. I think he needs a signature win, too. I mean, especially maybe that SMU, even that Memphis game, too. I mean, those Mm -hmm. are future conference opponents. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say about just the kind of overall schedule or feel of next year. I think it'll be a little bit different. They have moving up to the American Conference kind of hanging over their heads and just going back to when that news broke out kind of Mm mid-season this past year, you could kind of feel the vibes there Mm -hmm. kind of change. You know, his players wanted to play for him. Right. You know, and they – Because they knew his job was on the line. Right, absolutely. So I think that overall this next – I think I think it'll just be a different feel and a different vibe. We'll Mm -hmm. see a different North Texas team this coming season than we have in the past because they've got something big to look forward to and and something kind of – hanging over their head. Yeah, Phil Bennett's got to figure out he's he's got to continue he has to continue to make improvement on the defense. They have they have to figure out a quarterback situation. I'm sorry. Quarterback. I do not think Austin Ani is the guy. I think you can go out there and find someone who is better than Austin Ani. Yeah. If he is the guy, he gets another he gets another year of reps. He figures some stuff out in the offseason. He has a great offseason. Go for it. I personally do not think Austin Ani is the guy. I think you could get someone better from a transfer portal. I'll be interested to see how all of that pans out. Right. So you need a mobile quarterback, I think. You gotta have someone who can run. Yeah. I genuinely think that's the issue forever that needs to be solved. <laughs> so there it is. Our twenty twenty one North Texas football post mortem taking a look at the Mean Greens twenty twenty one season. Um, we will continue these throughout the offseason, taking a look at the twelve FBS teams in Texas and running back through their football seasons. Finally, we head over to Malpal for America's favorite segment, final thoughts. Do you ever feel like your head's just kinda empty? Like, I don't really have any thoughts right now. (laughs) That's fine. We're talking about North Texas. I guess we could do just a a typical programming note. Tomorrow is uh, This Week in Recruiting. We'll have a show Thursday. We'll have a special guest on Friday. Yeah. And after that, Tepper should be back. So you'll get rid of me. I believe. You got to deal with her still, but. Yeah. You'll get rid of me at least. (laughs) I believe we're off next Monday for MLK Day. Yes. I will. We are? Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. well then we will we not have a show on Monday, but Tepper will be back on Tuesday. Because if he wants to come back and do a show on Monday, I'm saying, uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'll see I'm you on Tuesday. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending your day with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbell's Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbell's. Follow, subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash TF. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. And of course, see all of our work on texasfootball.com. For Mallory Hartley, I'm Ashley Pickle. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We will see you tomorrow for some crouton on Texas Football Today.